your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Gil Martin here. I am the host of the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. So glad you could join us and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Usually I have three local hosts as guests on the show on Monday, but today I'm going to be one of the guests because the New York Islanders, probably one of the bigger stories of the weekend, they finally have the first game at their new home, the UBS Arena uh, at Belmont, and an exciting time for Islanders fans. And even though they dropped both games this weekend, lost to Calgary on Saturday, lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday, three to nothing, and didn't play their best hockey. The fact of the matter is that having this arena and Finally coming back to a new home is huge for the New York Islanders franchise. And, you know, starting the season on a 13-game road trip is not easy, and it definitely took a toll on this Islanders team. But I think more importantly for Islanders fans and for the stability of the franchise, Saturday, the opening of the new arena, really means that the Islanders are going to be in the New York area to stay. And, you know, the Nassau Coliseum had been outdated probably since the mid 90s and probably should have been replaced before the year 2000. Well, that's 21 years ago. And there was so much uncertainty. There were elections about, you know, bonds to renovate the arena or build a new arena. And that failed. And there was a proposal for what the former owner, Charles Wong, called the lighthouse. And that never got off the ground because of local politics, unfortunately. And then the Islanders moved from the Nassau Coliseum to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Barclays Center, beautiful arena, but not really meant for hockey. And it wasn't convenient for most of the fans from Long Island to get to, whether it was because of rush hour traffic or having to change uh, trains on the commuter rail, the Long Island Railroad to get there. It was not an easy situation for fans. And then, of course, you had the fact that there were obstructed view seats. You couldn't see both goals from one side of the arena. The scoreboard wasn't in the middle of the ice. The ice making equipment wasn't great. And, you know, they had the wrong kind of pipes. It was there was a lot of issues with playing at Barclays Center. But now the Islanders, after a brief interim return back to the Coliseum, now they have their permanent home where they are the primary tenant that it's convenient for fans to get to both from Long Island. And if you're commuting from Manhattan, you can easily take the train to get to this arena in a relatively short amount of time. There's enough parking there uh, and it's convenient for travel. It's also a state of the art facility with all the amenities And people could tell, 
even after just the first game, that this arena is loud, just like the Nassau Coliseum was. The same way Islander fans were rocking the old barn, they were rocking the UBS arena, and that was a beautiful thing. And I'll say this, ownership did it right. They brought in all the alumni that they, you know, could get. Bob Nystrom and John Tonelli were there. Clark Gillies was there. Uh, Dennis Potvin was there. All the the great old dynasty Islanders from the 70s and 80s, uh, you know, many of them in attendance to help usher in the new arena. And the fans were very, very enthused about what they saw. And Overall, just a, a, a great experience. And now all the doubts about the future of this franchise, all the questions about, you know, can this team compete? Could they sign free agents playing in such an old building? Could they economically keep up because the Nassau Coliseum didn't have enough luxury boxes and didn't have enough seats even, you know, after the renovation? All of those things are put to rest. And now the only thing Islander fans have to worry about is will this team be good enough on the ice? Um, The building is loud. The building is beautiful. The building is convenient to get to. And ownership just did a great job overall of getting this done. Got to thank... John Ledecky, the you know present principal owner, sort of the face of ownership, who has been a man of the people and has really helped sell this building and sell this organization to the fans. Got to thank Charles Wong, because without him, this team probably would be playing in Quebec or Kansas City or Seattle or somewhere else for that matter. Um He was determined to make sure Long Island and the tradition of the Islanders continued to live on. And the fans were great at the first two games, making a lot of noise, enjoying all the uh, great sight lines, making, you know, their presence felt. And just overall, uh, it was a fantastic experience for Islander fans to have this new building. So even though the Islanders fell short, both games, 5-2 on Saturday, 3-0 on Sunday, uh, on the ice right now, this team dealing with, you know, they missed six players because of COVID. A couple of more players had to leave Sunday's game early. So probably not done with all the COVID cases right now. But overall, history was made. This franchise is now stable. Its future is assured. And the New York Islanders are right where they want to be, ready to uh, be in this arena for the next 20-plus years and to give their fans, finally, a first-class experience. For so many years, you would hear Islander fans say something like, Yeah, the old barn may not be the nicest arena, but it's our home. Well, now our home for Islander fans can be a state-of-the-art, world-class arena that still has great sight sight lines, still makes the crowd felt because of the low ceiling, and really 
is a place that will attract free agents, attract talent, and 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 just give this franchise a chance to compete both on and off the ice. So uh, great news right there for the New York Islanders, and uh, hopefully they can turn things around and start to find ways to win some hockey games to go along with all of this. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show the host of Locked On Devils, Trey Matthews. Trey, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. Just got home from a basketball game, and I'm ready to now talk some hockey because I need uh, something to wash that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> that bad, huh? <laughs> Uh, well, at least at least the Lakers won. That's all I can say. All right. So, you, so at least you left the arena a happy man. Trey, the the New Jersey Devils. You know the Metropolitan Division. Everyone's doing so well, and you look at the standings, and the Devils are right in the thick of it, right in the middle of everything. Not a lot of people expected that. What has been the reason for this team's successful start to the season so far? Dawson Mercer. Like, like seriously, I, I, I can't make this stuff up. Dawson Mercer is actually leading our team in points. He has six goals, six assists, and um, he's third amongst uh, rookies uh, from for most points. Uh, he is behind Lucas Raymond and, and Mo Sider in, in that uh, category. So I think he's going to have a very uh, successful career moving forward. But the, just the surges of Dawson Mercer, we saw this in preseason. We saw his high hockey IQ. NHL uh, television broke this down as well. So overall, it's just the great contribution that we're getting from Dawson Mercer. He's able to get the most out of a lot of people. He's making this harder once Jack Hughes comes back because, you know, we got Nico Heizer, we got him doing well. And now um, when Jack Hughes comes back in uh, early December, what are we going to do? That's the the question. So, like, uh, who who are we going to move to that uh, third center position? But uh, overall, it Dawson Mercer and his overall production is really the X factor to our success. He's one. Of, he's usually always one of my players to watch. Recently, we've just beat the uh, Lightning, uh, surprisingly, because a uh, fun fact for anyone who does not know, uh, the Devils actually broke one of the Lightning's uh, streaks because coming into that game, the Lightning were 30-0-2 when leading after the first two periods. So the Devils were able to come back in the third period and win the game and who would have thought that? I certainly didn't think that. I'm going to be honest. I thought they would totally drop the uh, the game against the Lightning because it, we're, we're playing a very tough schedule. So we played the Panthers. We played the Lightning. And uh, we got the Predators next, I believe. So um, overall, it's just a very tough schedule. But overall, the, the main success for the Devils is just Dawson Mercer 
we're starting to get uh, Mackenzie Blackwood to do well once again. But overall, I, I'd say that's the X factor for the New Jersey Devils. And uh, Dawson Mercer might be a dark horse in the Calder Memorial Trophy race, but I, I need the NHL to put some more respect on his name. Well, I think you're doing your part right now, so that's a that's a good thing. Four goaltenders have already played uh, this season for the Devils. What what you know? You, you talked about Blackwood and him getting back on track. What's been the story behind all those different goaltenders getting ice time? Um, so Mackenzie Blackwood couldn't start the season due to uh, he was recovering from a heel surgery that he had over the summer. Then Jonathan Bernier, after a couple games, he suffered a lower body injury. So we gave Scott Wedgwood a chance. We gave Nico Dawes a chance. And Nico Dawes um, did relatively well. He did well, well what was given to him. And he actually kind of bumped Scott Wedgwood out of town inadvertently. And also, fun fact, the Utica Commons, our AHL program, is currently undefeated. And Nico Dawes is, you know, one of the goalies on, on the roster. So, you know, he's contributing well. But Overall, the, the reason why we have four, we had four different goalies to start the season was just because Jonathan Bernier was hurt, Mackenzie Blackwood was hurt. Uh, the anticipation was just waiting for Mackenzie Blackwood. Then, you know, Jonathan Bernier had his lower body injury. And overall, we had to put our trust in Nico Dawes and Scott Wedgwood, two guys you don't really want to put your trust in, but we didn't really have much choice. So it wasn't a chance. It wasn't like a thing of tryouts. It wasn't a thing of just seeing – who would potentially be the starting goalie because we knew Mackenzie Blackwood was going to be the starting goalie, but um, unfortunately he, he just wasn't ready to start the season. He played in a few scrimmages, but uh, Lindy Ruff decided to just like take his time with, uh, with uh, big Mac. How about Pavel Zaka? I mean, he has been uh, seven goals already on the season. He he's been putting them in the net. Talk to me a little bit about what he's been adding to this team. Okay. So he actually leads our team with, Two power play goals. Okay, I, yeah. I get it. That's not that I'm impressive. To that. But but look, I get he was drafted in a very elite draft class with Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, um, Noah Hannafin, all those guys. I get that. And you know, I'm missing a few other players, but I you know I had to think of this from the top of my head. But your apology to Pavel Zaka needs to be just as loud as your hate and your doubt. Because, look, I get he's not going to be on Connor McDavid's level. It's not going to happen. He's not going to get on Jack Eichel's level. He was a part of the best draft class since, like, 2003, I believe, if we're being completely honest. So, you know, the expectations for him were rather high. And he's done well to the point where, you know, you respect what he's doing. But, look, I get it. You know, being surrounded with, like, Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Mitch Marner, all those guys, he's going to be lost in the fold. But his production is so solid for the New Jersey Devils. And uh, he, he had a really good season last year. He led our team in points alongside uh, Miles Wood. And um, right now, you know, uh, to start the season, he has 11 points. He has seven goals, four assists, and he's leading our team in uh, power play goals, like I mentioned. So overall, you know, I'm loving the production I'm getting from him. He's tied with Dougie Hamilton for power play points, and he's picking up right where he left off last season because that's exactly what we use Pavel Zaka for because I said it, the reason why Pavel Zaka is so important right now is because he actually contributes or pulls his weight somewhat in the power play. And also he's come up clutch a couple times, like uh, that game against the LA Kings a couple weeks ago, he was able to tie the game. We go into OT, we didn't win it, but you know, we got the point and it, that doesn't happen unless Pavel Zaka scores. It was within the final 32nd frame. We uh, pulled Blackwood, got the extra skater and, Pavel Zaka just 
came up clutch for us. So, and he's come up clutch for us a couple other times as well. So Pavel Zaka, the words I have to describe is uh, continuing to progress each and every day. Uh, 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 you know, he's doubted, but over, but underrated, excuse me. I think he's very underrated. And um, overall, I just think he's a very good contributor to this New Jersey Devils team. Now, here's the thing. I did talk about this in my show before. I would be willing to trade Pavel Zaka if we're able to get something good out of it. I don't know the players that come to mind, but this was something I was talking about over the offseason, which is, look, I love Pavel Zaka. I have not given up on him. I think he's going to continue to progress. He progressed a lot last year. And towards the end of the uh, season prior, he was actually getting better as well. So I think for Zaka, he continues to improve. Will he be on McDavid's level? No. Will he be on Marner's level? No. But, you know, he's good for what we need right now. One area that New Jersey needs to work on is special teams. Talk about some of the problems they're having both on the penalty kill and on the power play. You're really going to make me talk about that. (laughs) Give me the five cent version. (laughs) Fine, fine. Okay, so we've we've gotten better recently. I'll I'll, I'll give credit when credit is due. Like, uh, it wasn't as bad to start the season. However... For penalty kill, and I've talked to Bryce Salvador about this, who's the uh, who, who currently works for MSG, and he's the former captain for the New Jersey Devils organization. The, the Devils just didn't know how to clear the puck. They didn't know how to clear the puck last year. They don't know how to clear the puck this year. They were actually in the bottom tier of the league. Last time I checked, which was a few days ago, they were in the bottom tier of the league in terms of, you know, getting a successful dump rate. And that can't happen, especially on the penalty kill. And then for power play, Sometimes I forget they have the man up advantage because they look like a deer in headlights. They just pass it around. They're not aggressive. And it's just like they're taking their sweet little time. It's just like, and, and you know, they pass it to someone like maybe P.K. Subban and Subban just rips a shot and it gets redirected out in front. And, you know, the other team is able to clear it down to the side rink and boom, power play over. I just forget that we're on the power play. And then for penalty kill, uh, we just don't know how to clear the puck at times. So I think overall that's the uh, main thing I look at, which is just like, I, I don't see a, a sense of urgency. So, like, whether it be clearing the puck or just trying to collapse the defense on the 5-on-4 advantage, I just don't see it. Now, we have improved the last few games. It's not perfect, but I'm starting to see progression based on my perspective. So, you know, is it is it good? No, because last time I checked, we're in the bottom tier in the league in terms of penalty kill. We're also in the bottom tier in the league or, uh, for power play. But at the end of the day, you know, we're improving. I'm just saying baby steps. Just do well this game, and maybe it'll bump us up a couple spots if another team is not doing so well. So I'm just saying take your time with it. All right, Trey, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they can find you on social media and where they could find your podcast? You can find my podcast wherever you get your podcast from, Locked on Devils. And then you can find my social media uh, at TreyMatt4 on Twitter, T-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T, and then number four. And then my Instagram is Trey Emery Matthews. All right, Trey, thank you so much for joining us today and talking a little devil's hockey. Thank you, Gil. And I, I apologize if my voice is a little hoarse. I, I did a lot of play-by-play over the weekend. And um, also, I was doing a lot of screaming at the basketball game. So my voice is kind of dead right now. Hey, it's a good, it's a good reason. It's a good reason. So, all right, have a great Thanksgiving, Trey. And thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Gil. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, it's the perfect time 
for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. You could feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and they pack plenty of protein. It's low calorie, low carb, low fat, and high protein, and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate. There'll be new surprises all month this month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. And there's nothing like Built Bar Black Friday coming up this Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Uh, my pleasure right now to welcome a familiar face to those of you who watch this podcast or listen to this podcast daily, Chris Maselli of Locked On Avalanche. Chris, thanks for coming on the Monday show today. Anytime. I think this is the first time I've been on the Monday show. So uh, I love what you've done with the place. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, you know, it's it's good to talk to somebody whose team is actually winning hockey games these days as my Islanders have now lost six in a row but I, I gotta tell you your avalanche four straight wins and most of them by pretty hefty margins what has been the difference over the last four games for this hockey team uh they're part of it this player they're playing bottom of the barrel teams <laughs> I don't want <laughs> you know but but they are beating them convincingly you know they're not two to one games that they're just eking out or you know going to overtime or anything like that. They are they're putting up a lot of points and they're not giving up a lot. You know, they, they've scored seven twice, uh, once against Vancouver just the other night against Seattle. Um, but they have they played Seattle, uh, they played Seattle, Vancouver twice, San Jose, who's starting to struggle a little bit. But um, on top of it, they, they are playing better. It is nice to see because they they were struggling, too. Uh, you know, they were they would win one, then lose a couple, then win another one. And they were just going up and down and up and down. And you knew that they would break out of it at some point. Um, and they're doing this without Nathan McKinnon. So he's still going to be out. They're hoping he comes back at the beginning of December. They have a five game road trip to start December. And they're hoping he's back for that. So he's missed a lot of time. And they're used to this. They're used to a lot of injuries and, you know, keeping uh, the style of play that they have. And I know a lot of people might not want to hear this. Nazem Kadri has been, he's been amazing. He's leading the team in, in scoring. I think he has an eight game point streak going on right now. Yeah. And it's so under the radar when you guys have like, <laughs> you know, when, when guys like Connor McDavid are doing what they're doing up North. So it's kind of like, going a little bit unseen, which he doesn't care. But yeah, he he's kind of, I don't want to say like leading this team, but he's definitely one of the leaders right now. So he's he's on fire. And another thing that seems to be doing very well, and, and Kadri is a big part of this, the power play connecting yeah. uh, pretty often right now. It was horrid to start the season. Horrible. Um, for a long period, they were like 28, 29th. Um, and they're starting to move up a little bit. And again, playing someone like Vancouver, who has a terrible penalty kill, that helps. Uh, playing Seattle, who has a pretty bad penalty. But <clears throat> that can get you going. Some, like You can't apologize for that. 
sometimes when you when you play those teams, like that's what you need. It's almost, it's almost like a batter in, in baseball, you know, and they just like lay a bunt down just to get out of a funk and that just gets them going. I think that's what's happening for the abs right now. They're they, they were they they just couldn't do anything right on a power play. And if they were, you know, cycling the puck around, getting some good shots on net. You'd be like, okay, they're just not breaking through, but they weren't even doing that. They were struggling to get the puck into the zone. They'd run the same drop back pass over and over and over and over again, and they started to switch things up. And uh, yeah, it, they're, they're too good for them to be uh, horrible all season long on the power play. And it was just a matter of time, and and this has gotten them going for sure. Yeah, it looks a lot better. Another thing that helps this team succeed very balanced scoring i mean so many guys are contributing to the offense right now yeah and that's something that they've had the past couple of years is that was the one knock on them a few years ago is they were a top line team and you couldn't deny that but you know ever since really they got cadre they've started to add good pieces um so you know their second line is is solid with you know burkowski cadre and valnachuskin um, and then on their bottom six, uh, a guy by the name of Logan O'Connor uh, has ascended. I mean, he, he's he started the season out on the fourth line, which everybody thought he was going to be there. And he, he kind of people are tagging him as like the new Matt Calvert. Matt Calvert was that, you know, that's what they call him Matty Hustle because he just gave 110 percent every single shift. That is Logan O'Connor. And and he's got a, he's got more scoring ability than Calvert did. So he has through injuries and through the way he's played, he's on the top line now with uh, Nathan McKinnon out. He's he's they've moved Miko Ranton over to the center spot. So he's running a wing on the top line. So he's helping out. Yeah. You got Burakovsky. JT Comfer was, was playing exceptionally well until he got hurt. So he's out for another couple weeks, but yeah, they're just, you can't just zero in on the names like McKinnon and, and Ranton and, and even Landeskog. Uh, any shift that they have out there is capable of of netting one. So, yeah, they're, they're a tough team to, to scheme against. And, and then another great statistic. Tell me why you think this is. They're leading the league in shooting percentage right now. I, I just see I didn't even know that. Didn't even know. Wow. Um, doesn't surprise me really, but yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're an offensive first team and, and, and on top of that, their defensive guys are offensive players. And you look at guys like Kale McCarr, um, you know, he, he, he's, he got off to a little bit of a slow start because he didn't have a preseason. He played no preseason games. So it took him a little while to get going, but he's a guy that just gets, I think he had eight shots on goal the other day for, for a defenseman. Um, Bo Byram is an offensive defenseman. Um, and then, you know, they're the two. And even Sam Girard, while he's not like a, a goal scorer, he is an exceptional passer. So he sets guys up, up to have, you know, a good look at the net. Um, yeah, they're, they're just, like I said earlier, like they're, they're too, they were too good of a team. And the talent finally is like starting to like break out of like these slumps altogether um, where yeah, they, they they know how to shoot. They know how to score. And it's on the offensive end and the defensive end. So, like I said, they're tough. And then the final piece of the puzzle defensively, Darcy Kemper. Hmm. He's been pretty consistent over the last few games. Same thing with him. Got off to a little bit of a rough start. 
And, you know, now you're you're starting to see, you know, they, they gave up a good amount to get him um, in a first round pick um, and a promising defenseman in Connor Timmons. But uh, they needed to make that deal and they were pretty comfortable with with what they've seen in him uh, playing for Arizona, that he could be that guy to replace um, who they lost in Grubauer. And same thing, like I said, took him a little while and. Those first handful of games, Avs were giving up 35, 40 shots a game, and they don't do that. They have too good of a defense to give up that many shots on net. And now it's starting now, like I said, because everybody's just getting comfortable. It was getting into the flow of the season. Uh, it's coming back down and it's they're getting they're allowing in that 20 to 25 range. Um, and I think, you know, knowing how Jared Bednar is. He probably wants that even lower because they had a good run last year. It was, I can't remember how many games in a row, but it was something teens in a row where they allowed less than 20 shots on goal a game. And so they know they're capable of doing even better than they are. But yeah, it just for the, it just seems like everything is starting to fall in line. Like we kind of assumed it would. Um, a lot of people are like, what's wrong with the abs? And they're, they have no panic in them whatsoever. They, they know that what they, cause all these guys are comfortable with each other. Yeah. There were some moves made in the off season, uh, but the, the meat of the team has stayed the same. So they, they know what they have and they know the skill that they have. And, um, they just had to get into the flow of a season. So, and you're seeing it now. So now four games coming up this week and, uh, one Monday night against Ottawa. So again, like they're, they're benefiting from this schedule. I'm not saying they're not, but hey, you've got to win these games too. Um, and this is Ottawa's first game back after their their COVID cancellations. So they're benefiting from that again. And don't apologize for it. Go out and win the games. And then this just carries over into uh, teams that didn't have any games canceled for COVID. So exactly. you, like I said, don't apologize for it. Yeah, look, good teams have to take advantage of those opportunities. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can find your podcast. Uh, yeah, anywhere that you follow uh, or, or listen to your podcasts, you can find Lockdown Avalanche there. On Twitter, the show page is L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche, and it's Lockdown Avalanche on Instagram. And uh, the show does have a YouTube page as well. And uh, you can also find me, like like Gil said in the beginning, uh, on this show locked on nhl the thursday edition that i do with adam denker from locked on lightning we do the weekly power rankings uh which we get beat up for unnecessary unfairly they shoot the uh, messenger that's the they problem. do they do but it's 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 kind of fun like i get a kick out of some of the comments so uh but yeah that's that's where you can find me chris thanks so much for doing this anytime man i love it all right that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from handicapping expert Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. That's it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Gil Martin. I host this show every Monday, and you could also hear me every Monday through Friday at Locked On Islanders. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. A great day. Stay safe. And thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.